So the topic of today's episode is all around growing psilocybin mushrooms. And it's not just any mushrooms, right? We are talking about top shelf artisan magic mushrooms that basically anyone can grow. My life used to feel like I was stuck on autopilot, trapped in the same thought loops, worries, and fears. Then something major happened. Enter psychedelics. My name is Kat Walsh, and you're listening to Trip On This. Join me as we journey together into these mysterious realms, discussing everything from personal transformation, otherworldly experiences, and practical at-home tips. Welcome, fellow traveler, to the land of limitless possibilities. Welcome back, my friends. Today's episode was filmed at the first live audience trip on this event, and it was amazing. I'm with Judd Weiss and Avins O'Brien, the team behind Advanced Mycology. And this episode is all about the easiest way to grow your own psilocybin mushrooms at home. Forget the grow tubs, forget the special room, forget all the sterilization that we think of when it comes to growing mushrooms. This episode is all about their technology, their all-in-one shroom bag, where basically anyone can grow their own mushrooms. If you feel inspired by this episode and want to grow your own mushrooms, you can head over to advancemyco.com and use the coupon code TRIPONTHIS to get $5 off your grow kit. And for the liquid culture that would go along with your grow kit, head over to c2cmyco.com. Again, that C as in cat, two as in the number, C as in cat, myco, M-Y-C-O.com. And again, you can use the trip the, <laughs> the coupon code trip on this for $5 off your syringe. But before we get into this episode, I want to take a moment to talk about today's sponsor, Nubrew. Nubrew is a non-alcoholic adult beverage that's made with low doses of kava root and kratom leaf. Lately, I have been really looking for different coffee alternatives, something with a little bit of caffeine, but not the spike and crash of coffee. And that's really where I've been loving the energy of Nubrew as my afternoon pickup. And not just because of the little bit of caffeine that is present in Nubrew, but because it's an actual pick-me-up for my mood. That's what kava and kratom leaf do. It's for a positive mood shift. It's for euphoria. It's for clarity and calm. Can you imagine focus and clarity while being calm? Okay, don't mind if I do. Nubru is also third-party lab tested and is made with 125 milligrams of kava and 25 milligrams of kratom leaf. If you are over the age of 18 and are interested in trying Nubru, head over to drinknubru.com and use the coupon code TRIPONTHIS for 15% off your order. Again, that's drinknewbrew.com and the code trip on this for 15% off on your order. And with that, I am so excited to bring you the first trip on this live audience podcast. And oh, by the way, if you are watching this, so sorry, the actual footage doesn't look that great because I set up the cameras and the lighting and that was mistake number one. So bear with us. You'll still see us, but it's a little fuzzy and blown out. And uh, we live and learn, right? Anyway, please enjoy this super fun episode. I hope that you guys all feel incredibly inspired to grow your own little mushroom babies at home. And with that, I pass it over to Judd and Evans. All right, cool. We ready? <laughs> all right. Welcome back, my friends, to the first live audience recording of Trip on This. I am so excited to have Judd Weiss and Avins O'Brien. Judd, Avins, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. 
So the topic of today's episode is all around growing psilocybin mushrooms. And it's not just any mushrooms, right? We are talking about top shelf artisan magic mushrooms that basically anyone can grow. But before we get into kind of some of the nitty gritty about this, I'd love to hear a little background from you two about, you know, what were you doing before and how did you actually get into mycology? Evans, ladies first. So um, what's funny is I think both Judd and I have a lot of experience in psychedelics in general. I think we both started taking psychedelics in our teens. And um, in my early 20s, I used to actually do trip sitting for people who were uh, wanting to experiment with mushrooms and LSD and stuff like that. And then about 10 years ago, Judd and I met and started dating and we bonded over our mutual love of psychedelics. And so it was really great. Actually, the first several months of us dating, we literally just took like psychedelics every month together. Really deep dive. That's how you get close. You get close that way real quick. We didn't live in the same state. Yeah, no, we were were long distance. So I would come and visit for a week once a month and like we would just do psychedelics together. Um, And so... (laughs) My kind of romance. Right? (laughs) And then um, we were in the cannabis space and we learned uh, how to grow cannabis. And then um, basically at the beginning of the pandemic, Judd turned to me and was like, hey... You want to learn to grow mushrooms together? As, as we do. And so what happened from there, Judd? Well, that's the truth. Um, I, I go back in uh, this space quite a while. I used to sell LSD in high school. Okay. And um, I have a long history doing that. I used to have these Tic Tac containers, and I'd just give people Tic Tacs, but I had two. And one was actual wrapped aluminum wrapped tabs. Did you ever accidentally like mess that up? No, 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 no. Because okay. I, would, I would go to the administrators at school, mm-hmm talk to them, chat about things, and then give them a Tic Tac. And then I was giving other people Tic Tac, and they never, right in front of them. Because wow, if okay. I was around the corner, that would look sketchy. Right, 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 you know? right. So, and now you have to do it like in plain sight. So I, yeah, I hooked yeah. up, okay. like, some of the teachers had kids at the school. I was like, their hookup. And, so, <laughs> you know, I was like a nice guy that, they were on a journey for these things, yeah. and like, I delivered, and if they weren't happy, I'd give them a refund, I was like, a businessman. Not, not like sketch about it. So yeah, yeah. I, I've been in this space quite a bit. I can't, I'm, I'm, I am a veteran. Um, uh, I do love cannabis. Cannabis is an um, a important part of my life and it's beautiful. But psychedelics, mushrooms, LSD has always been a much deeper, more personal thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, significantly transformative for a lot of people, including myself. Steve Jobs once said that Microsoft would be so much better if Bill Gates just tripped on LSD once. <laughs> and I can Probably. completely see that. It's a, it's a mind-opening, mm-hmm. uh, brain-expanding experience. And um, uh, it's done a lot of uh, incredible things for me just to look at things from different perspectives. And uh, I, I, I attribute a lot of the great, greater things that I've done in my life to the influence of psychedelics. I think it's put me on a much better path. So. I've always been somewhat of an evangelist, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited now we got into the mushroom space, but we have a way around the criminality, criminality of it, because we're selling um, soil in a bag. Right. And we're selling, oh. Um, it was like a, was like talk a, for a second. Let me, accident uh, that needed to happen. Now movie. it's like a movie theater. We're doing it live, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see it, you're seeing it. So, yeah, I've been in this space a bit. Uh, I love this space. Uh, I love what it's done for the people that I know. And unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of bad laws 
for no reason that are inhibiting people. They're making, they're bringing a lot of fear into a realm that doesn't need it, bringing a lot of bad vibes. And so we decided to find a workaround um, uh, because we decided to learn how to grow. Mm -hmm. I'd love we, to know about that process, actually. Like, we, how did you teach yourself? Well, um, through, through really painful failure. Uh, Excellent. As all good as, things. As all, as, <laughs> you are not a mushroom grower if you haven't had failure. Straight totally. up. Uh, and so when you, a lot of these guys that get into growing mushrooms, they think that of it as a real estate play. They start plotting out how much they can fit here and how much they're going to be able to grow in this amount of space. And they start multiplying it. And, and that couldn't be further from what you should do. Because we have this mantra, uh, stability over cash flow or you get nothing. Mm -hmm. And especially in this space, because uh, mycology is hard, very hard. It's much harder than growing cannabis, and it's also much easier. It's less labor intensive, but sterility is not a joke. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with a sterility is, is warfare against a microscopic enemy you can't see, or many millions of microscopic enemies that you can't see. And they will take over your environment, and they will spread, and it will be gross. So when we started, I, I did that real estate play, and mm -hmm. I, I had a 100% failure rate. It was expensive, heartbreaking, and very gross. And got it. I got connected with uh, one of the most talented growers, or mycologists that I know of in the country, mm -hmm. and he turned my entire uh, operation around in three phone calls. Wow. I was really impressed, and I uh, kept him with me, and we, I decided to work together and kind of bottle his brain up and put it up on shelves. Got it. So did you, because you know, and when you say sterility, for those that are brand new to it, keeping your actual environment very sterile when you're growing mushrooms is the key. If anything, if you breathe, you have to Lysol, it's like a whole thing. And it's, a, it's one of the reasons that it had stopped me actually from growing is because it was just too much. Like I was like, I don't have a dedicated space to have mushrooms. Like I'd rather just get them from someone, you know? And so from that vantage point, is that where you saw an opportunity because you're like, huh, how do I make this actually easy for people that want to grow mushrooms but don't have the time, space, talent to grow them? Is that kind of the genesis of how you start to put together this technology that you guys have? Absolutely. In fact, um, my biggest inspirations are probably Apple and Tesla. Okay. Uh, they're really easy, really simple, and packing a lot of tech. And Elon likes to trip. I, I'm sure he does, uh, <laughs> probably. Um, there, there was a one speech that Steve Jobs gave in 1980 that mm -hmm. seriously impacted me. He said to this crowd of uh, his employees and media, you can look this speech up, he said that computers can do so many amazing things for people, but in the middle of the computer and the amazing things that they can do, us in the tech world throw in a big problem, learn how to program a computer. And the entire purpose of Apple is to remove that problem so computers can just do the amazing things. Wow, just mind-blowing. And, and Apple has been religiously devoted to simplicity ever since then, mm -hmm. all the way to becoming the highest valued company in the world. Right. Uh, the first trillion dollar company and beyond. Mm -hmm. So that religious devotion to simplicity is really important. And, um, and just like you don't need to be an auto mechanic to drive a car, and you don't need to be a computer programmer to use a computer, I was just struggling with the idea of how can you grow your own shrooms mm -hmm. easily without having to be a mycologist. That's where this concept came from. Got it. So, Avins, I'd love to, because I understand that you are a wonderful geneticist, 
I first like mycologist, but don't you work with the genes? I do work with the genetics, but I guess te- technically I'm a mycologist. Okay, mycologist. <laughs> okay, we're gonna. We're, she's a mycologist and a geneticist on the show now, but she works with the different mushrooms and creating them. Can you talk a little bit? This is the thing that fascinated me when we first talked. Was you were like, you've only had street mushrooms, cat, and I was like. I mean, I guess, like, street mushrooms? Yeah, sure, I guess I got them on the street. You're like, you've never had top shelf, like, artisan psilocybin mushrooms. I was like, I would like to. What, what, what is that? Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what it is to actually grow? Because we can also introduce your bags a little bit and the cultures and talk to us not only about, like, what actually is, what does that mean, top shelf? And also, like, does it feel different? Is the trip experience different? Sure. Break it down. I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I think most, most people, their first experience with taking mushrooms is like some guy gives them to them in like a little Ziploc bag, you know, in the backpack mm-hmm. at their Coachella or wherever they are. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and so it was actually really cool for us because when we got into it, we were like, we're going to try all of the different varietals. We were going we to get all these different juices. So we ordered like Every spore two syringes. Weeks. So we were going to like ordered all these spore syringes and stuff and we're... we're we're working on this, and I think we went through a total of 54 different varietals that we attempted to grow and try. And you'll- you try all of them. Just like tripping, you you're like tripping for like the year. We did not try all of them, because well, yeah, we got to this point where we're like, okay, so every two weeks, it was a very fun pandemic for us. I'm sure. Because every two weeks, you just take in another set of mushrooms. It's, it's for science. At some point, you just get a little tired of it. I remember I got well, to this- Well, we built up our palate. Right. It's more sophisticated now. That's the thing, and I also got to the point where I would like gift them to friends, and I'd be like, please take three points five grams and report on the visuals and the experience yeah. how is your body high for in research it? just like for research purposes um, but I definitely found that we we grew different ones and I saw how they grew in different environments in tubs and in 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 bags um, I started watching for you know what was growing evenly what was growing just more beautifully um, and then what that trip experience was like so um, what you know what gave me beautiful visuals or gave us these like lovely you know um some of them are more introspective and, you know, you definitely deep dive into yourself and you go forgiven people, you know, things like that. And mm-hmm. then there's the, the, uh, the kind where uh, um, albino Avery, for example, is this beautiful varietal that has these lovely visuals, but it's still a very talkative varietal. So we can mm-hmm. like take it like and have just fun. chat for yeah. hours and like really just get, like get vulnerable and intimate and it's beautiful. That's cool. Um, so, I mean, that whole process was really just like trying things out, seeing what grew, and then what we liked, we kept growing. And, um, and then the process of genet- like the genetics mm-hmm. like part of it is really just when you find mushrooms that you really like, um, we would, you know, collect spore prints and then do, uh, and then and then take like tissue clones of those mushrooms to kind of um, like isolate the best features of these mushrooms mm-hmm. for the growability and for their their mm-hmm. their trip ability. And so that's kind of how that process grew. So yeah, I spent a lot of time with like with little petri dishes and little mushrooms and lots of sterile equipment and kind of getting little these scalpels and doing mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I guess that's that's why I I'm, I don't know. That's my little yeah. yeah but but so. So, okay, are you, when you're going in, so you're saying like in your cultures, you've gone in and taken the best mushroom genes or whatever it is, mycelium, like what, what actually is it? So like when it grows, you're talking about this is the best so, quality on all the characteristics, right? Right, right. So there's the visual characteristics. What is growing large? What is growing, okay. with a, what is growing quicker? Which, which mushrooms are growing with the most clusters around them, mm-hmm. which is a yield concern? And you just take a little uh, biopsy of it, 
and you mm. put it on a on an agar plate with agar is this like sugar gelatin, and they start spreading across it, and the mycelium just keeps spreading. So you can take another piece of that and put it on another plate, and mm. and, and you can ship it around the world, mm -hmm. and then that same mushroom is just continuing to spread and spread got and it, spread in different plates. But um, I want to talk about about the genetics. The bulk bulk shrooms what you get on the street are coming from growers. Growers have to get yield for money. There's no other choice, otherwise it's not worth it for them. So they're not growing artisan shrooms, they're growing bulk shrooms. Artisan shrooms are something very different. They're all targeted now, they're all different experiences. And, and you know, the world is evolving, mushroom genetics seems to be evolving even faster. Yeah. More and more people are, are taking really fascinating uh, clones. Reggie actually hosts the Hyphae Cup. Where they, uh, it's the, they, they're, oh, it's still a Cyber Cup. Yeah, she won. She, really? Is a, oh, okay, okay plug. My here. A real it's plug. cooler when you guys say it. <laughs> yeah. Are you when I say it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You did. I won an agar. Yeah, yeah, okay. I have a beautiful agar plate. But like, I love just, that. Yeah. I love that. So the, the artisan shrooms are definitely a different experience. They're all. We're snobs now. We've built our palate up, and now I'm just not interested in shrooms or even what the classic golden teachers that hippies have been doing for decades is boring to me now. Mm. There's all sorts of really fascinating trips. They're, they're incredible. They're more mind-blowing. They're more visual. They might be more calming and soothing, like a mm -hmm, sound bath. Mm -hmm. They're all different. They're targeted. Some are more up. Some are more... Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited to explore them all. So, so you're not going to get that from the street, but... but the more profound than the simplicity aspect that I was going with the product mm -hmm. is the control. Now you can grow artisan. Right. I, we have a, a feeling, and it's not scientific, but from running these tubs, we believe that it seems like each tub produces the same amount of psilocybin, mm -hmm. irrespective of the yield. So if the yield is higher, it seems like it's more fiber to psilocybin ratio mm -hmm. or to the other uh, compounds. And so I don't like the high yield strains. The lower yield strains are, or among the high quality strains, the lower yield strains are generally more profound. This is actually a great uh, segue into what I want to ask next, which is about the temperament of some strains. Because I imagine some people here might be interested in, well, what mushroom spores am I going to get? What, or what culture am I going to get? Uh, and I know from having just grown my first two flushes with theirs, uh, one was a little bit, just kind of grew quickly and it was easy. And the other one was slow and it took its time. And I was like, is this gonna work? And then it did, but like, it was a whole different vibe with how it worked. And I'm just so curious, is there like a super beginner strain for everyone who's just like, you basically can't mess this up and then ones that they're great but you do have to make sure they're in the right environment yeah. the temperature has to be right they're a little more finicky yes so it the um you're talking about like the resilience of the mushroom yeah. and some the mo more resilient ones typically are the the ones that i'm least interested in consuming mm -hmm. they're easier for growers but the artisan ones are way more fussy they're, they're way more delicate, they need a lot more attention, and uh, they have more restrictive environmental constraints, whereas some of them, it's like kids. You never know what's gonna happen with each of your kids. <laughs> sure. Some will grow taller, some will grow, yeah. some will do great things in life, some, you know, <laughs> That's it, it really, yeah, it really yeah, depends. Sure. Like, it's all over the place. Do you have an example of some of, some of the, the real growers where it's just like easy to produce, and some that are like more artisan, like you said, some favorites, but maybe a little bit more finicky? 
You know, yeah, penis envy is really finicky. Penis envy is an extremely finicky. That's a, that's actually, a high uh, skill level. That's one. also why I hear they're also very expensive. Comparatively, and they're usually like a like a premium. They just mushroom. require a lot more work and a lot more attention. And Got that's it. actually why like penis envy is a very popular varietal to or for people to want, and it grows in tubs. But there's like a process. You got to case it. Whereas like in it doesn't work as well in a bag. So mm -hmm. we have a um, we have a varietal called PE7, which is a variant that does very well in our bags. Okay. It's way less finicky, but still mm. retains a lot of the mm -hmm. same original penis envy properties. Got it. But um, that's that would be one of them. I know uh, albino Avery is a little shy in the bags. It does end up growing in the bags, but it takes a little bit longer and people are not expecting that. That's what happened with mine. Yeah. I thought I thought maybe I did something wrong. I was like, but my no. other ones, I already harvested them. I had the albino Burmas. Um, let's talk about harvesting a little bit because sure. I, I'm going to ask, like, I'm just going to say the beginner things because I'm going to go through my process of it, but I didn't quite know. Okay, so when mushrooms grow, especially in the bag, there's always, like, let's say three or four that grow very tall and they're much, they're just quicker and they're bigger. And I didn't know quite, you know, the right time to pull them. I was like, okay, I don't want them to over mature. I, you guys just showed me, I, I didn't realize that Avery's don't release spores, so that might be interesting, but I think I had pulled mine a little bit early because I was just basing it off of four mushrooms right. that were tall and like just at the place of maturity, but if I let it go any longer, I was like, okay, this is gonna go over. What can you tell us about the right time to harvest, and is it okay if they overmature? Like, are we gonna be okay? Yeah. Does it, yeah. can we still trip? Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah, the, the Avery's, I actually let the caps flip up and let them get more weight. Oh, okay. Because you can let them spore. They do spore, they're, they're uh, trans, transparent, and they don't, they don't make everything dirty. They're oh. albinos. I'll say a, a word about albinos, and I'll get back to yeah. harvesting. Um, albino strains lack any pigment. There's leucistic that are lacking pigment, but albinos lack all pigment. And the pigment is, uh, it's, they're compounds, so it, you could consider the, the albino ones to be like a cleaner vessel for your psilocybin experience. Uh, so they are, I prefer them. Uh, I think they're better. A lot of people in this space uh, prefer albino strains, but, um, but they're, they're all different and they're all targeted. Sure. And so the albino strains, they, they do drop these like tra tra completely transparent spores that you can't see. You don't want to spore out your bag. You don't mm -hmm. want to spore out your mushrooms. Um, spores don't typically, they don't taste as good and they're genetic material. It's not, it doesn't have any positive aspects to your trip. But does, but does it hurt you? I think that was the no, thing that I was like, is this going to affect me at all on my trip? Did no. I did I do it wrong? <laughs> no, okay, cool. uh, it, it often ends up in chocolates anyway. Okay. Uh, although Got it. maybe not theirs, they have a high standards of nootropics. All <laughs> oh, the chocolate people here are like, the chocolates you got from that guy at Coachella totally has yeah, 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 probably, yeah, <laughs> most likely. Okay, so it's really just taste, is that what you're saying? And so appearance. when it overmatures, yeah, it's, taste and appearance, that's it? Taste and appearance. I mean, if you, like, if you're working with like a tub and your tub spores out, it also can just kind of affect the way that the, the like an, another flush would grow, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, you won't be able to reharvest as easily if just yeah. spores all over the place. Yeah. So, in one of your bags, maybe this is a good time to show it off. Sure. Okay, first of all, oh. can we talk about this guy? <laughs> you all see this thing? Yeah. Look how. It's pretty big. 
quite this a quite a specimen here. Yeah, this is a hillbilly. I don't know. Hillbillies are they always yeah. grow big and fat. They're a big bulk grow strain. Like I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of people growing these for bulk. A lot of bulk growth. They're, um, they're nice and heavy, mm-hmm. but they're they don't have a very visual high at all. Like okay. and their their high is very body high, though it is an incredible microdose variety. So actually, mm. the, the microdose tea that is out there is actually hillbilly, and okay. it's a delightful, pleasant, happy, just joyous little microdose. This isn't actually a perfect example of what I'm talking about with the bags, right? This is a massive big boy here, right? But like, there's not a whole lot of activity elsewhere. Yeah, on that if, one. If this started to mature to the point where you're like, do you just let it go and still let the other one slowly come up? Or do you just go, you know what? It's worth us salvaging this one you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, at what sometimes, point? Yeah, sometimes okay. you just have to make the judgment call. Okay. Uh, if that's ready and you want to pull it, you can pull everything early. In fact, if you pull it early, it's probably a higher psilocybin to fiber ratio. Mm-hmm. The okay. thing about hillbilly, it's, it's, these are these big, fat, chunky boys. Can you kind of see that? Um, I don't Who know can't if, see that? Can you see that? <laughs> um, there, I, I would consider hillbilly to be one of those that are higher fiber to psilocybin ratio. Uh, so... Typically, that's not what I would consider artisan, but it is something that these growers, they love to grow these tubs of hillbilly. They get a lot of yield. They have a lot of product to sell. Okay, you're saying artisan a lot. Okay, give, it, give us like three artisan mushroom strains or cultures. Just in case people are like, I want to try this one. the good stuff. This is definitely artisan. This okay. is albino penis envy. Okay. These look like these little fat aliens. And there's like these little babies all the way around. Mm-hmm, so you can mm-hmm. see this one's really busy. Um, these, these are going to get bigger. They're probably going to be double the size in like two days. Yeah. It's crazy how fast they grow. Once they start pinning, it's like literally I'll come back. Like if it's in the morning, I was like, oh my God, they, they sprouted. And then at night I was like, holy shit. They're like literally half the size bigger. And then the next morning it's, it's very exciting for like that three days. Like it's so it's within three days, right? Once they start, they can double in size each day. It's wild. They it's just wild. start swelling up from the water. They're pulling the moisture out of the, uh, what you call now a cake, mm-hmm. the colonized substrate mm-hmm. is a cake. They started pulling the moisture out and they start swelling up really big. Got it. Would you consider fast. the Avery's as well, the albino Avery's and artisan? Yes, yes definitely. Okay, okay, cool. How, how many, when, how many um, grams can people expect from a grow? Let's, and I know, I understand, it seems like the different mushroom strains are also a little contingent on it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's take the Avery's for instance. What can you expect so, with um, dried? There's, there's a couple of factors. There's, there's gonna be environmental factors that might impact how quickly your mushrooms grow and also how much they yield. Um, there are little things within the bag that can mm-hmm. affect it too. But, um, and then there's just the straight genetics. Sure. So we, we assume you're gonna get between 10 and 20 grams of dried material out of a bag. Okay. Um, we've totally, I've had bags that have only given me six or eight. Or, mm-hmm. And I've had that and like- We've had over I've had over an ounce in some. Oh bags. wow! Is that so, the kids again? It's like the kids analogy. Like sometimes yeah. you got yeah, some good right. kids. Exactly like kids. Sometimes you get. You six find out in eighteen six years. Grams. Exactly, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so that's that. That is. Uh, I would say on average, I tend to tell people you're going to get an average of about half an ounce of dried material, but that can be give or take a little right. bit. Right, right, right. <laughs> what would you guys say is? How do your grow bags? How does your technology stand apart right now in the space from your vantage point? So, and this could also be a good opportunity while you talk about this, um, if you want to actually start beginning the process of showing us how to inoculate it. So the, the radical new technology here are these filter strips that you see. 
Mm -hmm. uh, this is, you know, other grow bags or other ways to grow, you know, they'll get you mushrooms. Like 2G internet will be internet, but 5G internet is better. This is a next generation. So the, the filter strip changes everything. They, it comes in this box just like that. Um, she'll pull it out in a bit. But what the filter strips does is it makes this a breathable fortress. And um, what you're trying to do is protect this substrate from also the, all sorts of like other bacteria and other kind of wrong kind of fungi from wanting to take that over. And you want to get the right kind of fungi in there and it have it only be that environment for the right kind of fungi. And this is a finicky fungi. So it, basically, this turns this into a monotub in a bag. If you want to grow shrooms and make money, you should be running tubs. They're bigger. This is like a slice of that. So this is a little monotub in a bag that's sealed. And because it's sealed, that changes the entire methodology into a chia pet. If you, if you um, are running tubs, you need to open those tubs and get air in. You need to do all sorts of things, which means you now need to build a set a dedicated room and build out a clean room with air purifiers and thousands of dollars of mm -hmm. equipment yeah. just to get some shrooms. This is your clean room. You just put this down on your coffee table and watch it like a chia pet. And by the way, I, for some reason, I mean, maybe this is wrong, but like I always thought mushrooms had to grow in the dark. No, they were just like happily in the sunlight doing their thing. I had uh, no Not in the sun. You don't want okay, to Okay, not in the sun, but like so they were in a room. Mushrooms like the uh, uh, canopy, sh uh, shade of the canopy in the forest. Mushrooms, um, they, they don't need light. They're yeah. not photosynthesizing. Okay. They're okay. not plant kingdom. It's a fungi kingdom. Yeah. I mean, I happened to like, I didn't know if it needed light or not. And I feel like they probably got too much light, but it actually worked out. So I just thought they had to be in the dark. I think this feels like a good time, though, to actually show us how to inoculate this bag and actually how quick it is to be on your way. And by the way, between when you do this, right, and you inject it, how long should we expect there to be harvesting mushrooms? So harvestable mushrooms you're going to see in anywhere from six, uh, six to eight weeks is our average. Um, I've seen mushrooms as early as five. I've seen mushrooms as late as 13. I don't even know how that happened, but there was a random bag that had 13 weeks. But I typically find that like it's going to be six to eight weeks on average Okay. Um, from the time you inoculate until you actually get awesome. your harvest. Awesome. Let's so see it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, do it. So the whole point of this is to make it easy as inject, wait, and harvest. Yeah, yeah. This is like an influencer unboxing now. Right. You know? Right. Too bad we don't can't just like get over her. So we got and a see. shroom label, we've got our alcohol pad, we've got the instruction booklet, which people sometimes don't read, but they should. <laughs> they should. And then this is the box. We're gonna keep this box. And then this is usually done at a table. So Do now you wanna we're just gonna get a little clever. And by the way, for those uh, just listening on the podcast platform, this would be a good time. If you actually wanna see this, head over to the YouTube to actually watch it done. So this is so this is the uh, shroom bag, and you'll find that this is vacuum sealed to preserve moisture and freshness. And there is a tear notch on the side, which I have to find. There it is. So there's a tear notch. We take that tear notch, and I will somehow get it. There we go. There we go. There we go. This is trickier with longer nails. <laughs> but we'll pop this right out, and I'm just gonna get rid of that. <laughs> Pretend there was a trash can there. Um, and here we are, this is the bag. And right inside is our cake, our, uh, our soil, which has millet and cocoa core, vermiculite, worm gypsum. castings, gypsum, 
line? Press starts your shelves. Press starts your shelves. Um, and then, so what I do when I unwrap this is, this is going to take a little while for the air to kind of get into this. You don't actually need to wait for, for air to make it in, but sometimes I'll do a quick little, quick little thing right here to kind of let some air in. And then the other thing I do is the cake will be like compressed from being vacuum sealed. So I just press on it a little bit to soften that cake so that the needle doesn't get stuck when it goes in. Got it. So that's, that's prepped, basically. Um, okay, so you soften it so that you can actually put the needle into it, right? Yeah, and okay. sometimes it doesn't matter, but sometimes people will complain. Cause yeah, I, I found that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that. We've got an alcohol pad that is going to clean this, but before I do that, this is a big order of operations thing. Is So this is culture. This is by Coast to Coast. This is Albino Burma, which is that bread like you mm -hmm. said do so well. They grow very fast. So, so I want you guys to think of the grow bag is just soil in a bag, and then this is the genetics. Think of this like the grow bag is like the computer or your iPhone. The syringe is your, are the apps. You pick which app you want, you stick it in, basically install it, and then the grow bag comes alive. And there are directions on this box, but also this box features test results uh, from Haifei Labs. So, is, uh, so actually, it you know, tells you what is, uh, what is typically found in our albino barma genetics. Very cool. So in here will also be a needle. So there is your needle, there is your syringe. It would help if the needle would come out. It apparently doesn't want to. Okay. It's shy. Pull it out from the other side. Oh my goodness. You should get that out for me. Yeah. And then there is some beautiful clouds of, of, uh, of culture in there. You won't you and it is won't And it is mycelium it. in there, right? Yes. Right. And so that, tell me while he's opening that, why is that different from spores? I, um, so spores, this is a very controversial statement in the world of mycology. It's completely true. Spores have no place among mushroom growers whatsoever, in any shape or form. Spores are sporadic. You don't know what kind of children you're going to get. Spores are just for mycologists like Ovens and my partner Chad to spend six months to a year growing them out and isolating new champions. They take a tissue, some mycelium bits from the champion mushrooms. They put that, we put that in a sugar broth and get that into a syringe. And then you've got liquid culture. It's isolated. It's not twice as good, it's 10 times better. Night and day difference. It's already mycelium, saves you two weeks on the experience. Plus, it's, it's gonna have significantly better performance in the bag. This is how you isolate a artisan mushroom. Okay. And, um, and uh, yeah. Cool. I'll let her continue. Let's look. <laughs> so, and then order of operations. I like to prep this first. So you're going to attach the needle to the syringe, but you're going to keep the cap on. This is something I've just noticed that people like to be told. Um, this is the alcohol <laughs> pad. Now I'm going to wipe this. So right. you wipe so, the injection port for so the for, same reason that sure the nurse wipes, that. Your, wipes your arm before they give you a shot. You might have bacteria on your skin and they don't want to push that into you. So they, give you, they wipe you with alcohol wipes for the same reason you do that here. So for those in the back, it's like a little black, like, I don't know, button yeah, so almost. A, oh, go ahead. Let me just inject it first, and then we can touch it. In it goes, and then it goes straight in. I don't move it around yet. None of that. Just going to pull that out, and then cover that needle up before throwing it away. Please <laughs> don't create a hazard in your trash. And that... Is done. Uh, and then do you shake? Well, that's, 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 that's done in terms of that part. Okay. And then we do is we actually just use just pressing, massaging onto the cake, 
We're just going to mix that around. Now, if you are using a spore syringe, if you happen to get a spore syringe and use it with our stuff, do not mix it around because spores. You, you need the spores okay. to get to know each other and mate and germinate. Oh, oh, okay, okay. But with liquid culture, it's already mycelium, so you want to stir the sugar around the iced tea. Mm. You want it. You want that mycelium to touch as much of the substrate as possible, and it'll start spreading from more spots the more you mix it up. Awesome. We get a good mix, and then when we are done mixing it around, we're going to actually press on the top of the bag to create, oops, sorry, uh, press on the top of the bag to create a growing stage. And then this will also take, uh, will help move the air that's on the sides of the bags off of the sides of the bag, so you get f less uh, mushrooms growing from the sides. So yeah, we're actually creating a stage by pushing it down for the mushrooms to grow on top of. And you want to push out the air around the sides. So also mm -hmm. a big thing, and I don't, oh, you have a Sharpie right there. Can you hear me that Sharpie? Yeah. Big thing is don't be a savage. Label your bags. <laughs> label your bags. <laughs> so we always immediately label with the day. Hey, what's today's date? The 18th? The 18th. Yep. 18. So we're going to go with, it is, that was Albino Burma. Albino Burma and May 18th. Um, and then we're going to put that right on the bag, put the bag right in the box. And then there's really, it's, I, I sometimes say set it and forget it, but technically there's, there's more to do, is when your bag has actually colonized about one third of the way, we recommend mixing it so that the mycelium gets more evenly spread around. And we put this right on. And then, so there's an, an additional spot right here that says date mixed. And that's when you'll like, when, you know, in, in two to in three weeks when this is ready, I'll mix it up and then, and then uh, write that in. And how you'll know is it's actually gonna start turning white. So you'll see like white spots in it. You'll see kind of like white forming. That's what it means to start colonizing. And so you'll see it visually when to shake it up. Right. Uh, so this is the white mycelium. It'll look like that. Yes, And then yes. this is a hard cake of white of mycelium. Mm -hmm. So I think with that, anybody have any questions about how to grow mushrooms or anything else for that matter? How do you know how strong they'll be? Is it just kind of guessing? Or are you kind of like, oh, you'll take a little bit and figure it out? Or? Well, the community is getting better about um, identifying things now, like cannabis. You know, back in the day, in the 70s, it's not, cannabis isn't like what it is now. Uh, and, and it's evolved significantly. And so now there's more and more varietals and there's more and more community and the people in this space that are evolving our palates like us, trying out different things and spreading the word about what they are, just kind of like cannabis did. But to answer your question also, to, to add on, there's, unless you have a synthetic psilocybin, you're never gonna know exactly what you're getting, right? It's still like a fruiting body, so if you think of it as every apple isn't gonna always be a sweet, right? Like there's just more, and so, there's still going to be that a little bit of that um, unknown, I guess, with it. And so I think with that, it's like always uh, starting smaller, obviously, if you're like newer into it. But um, yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I just know that it's, you can get, unless you send it in to actually be tested for how much psilocin is in it, um, you won't, you can get some averages from different strains, but you won't actually know which from mushroom to mushroom how strong it actually We're is. We're still far apart from where it used to be. Back in the mm -hmm. day, in the 90s, nobody had scales. You just grab a handful and eat them. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's getting <laughs> better, let's just say. If you pick them earlier or later, does it affect the, the, how strong they are? It does. Typically, if you pick them earlier, uh, it'll be a higher psilocybin to fiber ratio. 
I just read this. I don't know if it's true because uh, I, I don't know. I just read it. But uh, I, I actually read that the pins, like just like the little pins, are actually very, very strong. Um, I think that's usually when they're early, but if you are like kind of growing a bigger flush and you're picking some bigger ones, but there's actually like a few little ones that those little guys can still like pack a punch. And there's all sorts of cool tips in this space. So if you grow them warmer, they will grow faster. They grow between upper 60s to upper 70s. Um, they're like us. They like the same temperatures we do when we're in bathing suits. But if you grow them in, in 70s, in the upper 70s, they grow faster. But, if, but the artisan mushrooms are typically grown colder in the upper 60s. They'll grow slower, but there's more time for the magic to happen. So they'll be more potent if you grow them slower. It's not something bulk growers will do, but it is something that you should do if you want a better experience. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah. I want to ask uh, about uh, third generation, fourth generation growth. Is that something that you focus at in the yield of bulk mushrooms? Oh, uh, the, the later harvest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, they're not going to be more potent. A lot of times, the second or third flush uh, will be bigger, they'll be like a less of a, less, less of mushrooms, a, yeah, but larger. fewer mushrooms, but they will be larger. So it's really funny. I oftentimes like I'll take pictures of a bag on its second flush and it'll, it'll just be these enormous things just popping out of the bags. Um, so we say flush, uh, we mean harvest. So the second harvest, the third harvest, you can harvest multiple times out of the bag, but for most people it's one and done. If, you're, if you've got a mycology set up with a clean space and a flow hood and a sterile environment, you, you can get multiple harvests out of your tubs or your bags uh, because, but these for most people it's one and done because as soon as you breach the fortress, it's no longer idiot proof. Now you can allow contaminants in there and they will try to take over this nice, beautiful space. Um, though if it's already colonized, the, the immune system is pretty strong and it should resist any contaminants on the first, after the first harvest, but it's not guaranteed. So what you do is you literally, you open it up, you pull the mushrooms out, wash them off, and then you just pour a cup of, like half cup of water in the bag, tape it back up, 75, 80% chance you're gonna get more mushrooms, 20% chance you might get some mold and it'll be gross. So it's not guaranteed, but you may actually, if you have a sterile environment, you should get more harvest out of these bags. And that's what we call flush. You're just rehydrating it, and then more mushrooms will swell up out of the surface. If, uh, if somebody does get a bag from us and wants to do that process, they often will email us and ask us how to do it. So I, I am the person behind our customer service, yeah. and I am the person that will say, okay, there are no guarantees, but you want to experiment, let's go for it. <laughs> so I've made a very informal guide about like the best practices around your house. I mean, it's, it's hard when you don't have a sterile space, but you know, I'm like, all right, get your Lysol out, get your mask from when you were in COVID, like doing the COVID mm -hmm. thing. Like I, I have all this advice about how household items that you can use to try to uh, to get a second flush. And it's actually been fairly successful for a lot of our customers who don't even have mycology spaces. So mm -hmm. there's no guarantees, but if you want, you email us at support and I will help you yeah. out. Any other questions? Question. Yeah. Um, do you have questions? After you harvest it, um, what's the best way to store it? And how long is the shelf life? Yeah, you... You can eat them fresh, right out of the bag, right, out, right after you harvest them. Some people prefer to do that without dehydrating that. But the problem is uh, they will last in your fridge as long as any other mushrooms from the supermarket will, like about a week. Uh, 
So you may not be ready to trip when on their time. You might want to plan your trip. You should, because psychonauts in this space typically only trip four or five times a year. It's, it's not cannabis. It's not a daily thing. You couldn't even do it daily if you wanted. It's not going to be an experience. Um, it's like skydiving. You, you do that every once in a while, maybe in years. So you plot out your trips. And in order to be on your time, you dehydrate them completely. No moisture whatsoever, bone dry like crispy crackers. Uh, and you can use any $40 dehydrator on Amazon. You can make apple crisps with it later, beef jerky, whatever you want to do. But uh, dehydrating it and then just put it in a bag with a dry pack. So this is a bag. You include one with your kit. <laughs> it's included. It's got everything you need but the dehydrator. Thank you for teeing that one up. Is, there, right. is there a way to uh, dry mushrooms like just out in, I don't know, the elements like two you could. days worth? It's just safer to do it in a dehydrator. Mm -hmm. And she is asking, they, they should last well over a year. I mean, they could Once potentially last for three years. I, I know they'll still be okay. They, they may lose some potency over time. Yeah, potency degrades over time and like with temperature shifts and things like that. You don't want to refrigerate or freeze them because you might create condensation, which can create moisture. Moisture is um, the enemy. Yeah, moisture is your enemy. But I mean, there is a potency factor that does go down over time. It will degrade, um, but but you won't like you can't get sick from taking old mushrooms as long as they haven't grown anything. As long as they haven't rotted. Yeah, as if long they, as they if, rotted. if they uh, get some moisture, they will rot and you will get sick. So no moisture. I've definitely dry. taken old mushrooms that did were very dissatisfying, yeah. but that was it. You know, it's like, oh, oh no. Uh, okay, La last question? Yeah, I have a question. So you mentioned that you were a trip sitter, and so my question is a bit twofold. Sure. My first half of the question would be, how do you prepare somebody who's about to take a trip for the first time? Second fold is, how do you prepare somebody who's interested in increasing the dose, maybe going up toward a hero dose? And then actually, third question on that <laughs> is, oh my gosh. <laughs> Please go ahead. Right, she'll get started. So, um, okay, so sorry, your first question was about how do I prepare to preparing people? And she, by the way, is an online persona as your trip sister. Yeah. So, so, she, so just <laughs> heads up, your, so your trip sister Just is in my, case I was anonymous. Right. Now you know. No, 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 no. So, so your trip sister is uh, kind of my online way of talking to people because I, I, I find that unfortunately trip sitting and trip guiding and stuff like that is not a particularly scalable thing to do and it's a lot of hard work for both the person tripping but also the person guiding that trip. And so um, I, I have started your trip sit, uh, sister so that I can be kind of like your big sister giving you advice about your trips without actually having to sit with you through them. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so I used to do some trip sitting, and one of the things that I would uh, check in with people is like I I check in with their intentions about why why they want to trip. Um, you know, some people wanted to just experience something new. Some people really wanted to deep dive into you know their issues with their parents or their you know like their their like histories and traumas in life. Um, and so finding out why people want it, you know, medicinally, therapeutically, recreationally, um, and then uh, kind of ahead of time finding out, like having conversations with people about like what are things that they they are aware they might trigger in themselves. Because the thing is mushrooms can be so much fun and then you can be like flying high, having a great time thinking about something funny and giggling and then suddenly you're like, oh my God, I'm just remembering this terror. Like this thing my mother said to me when I was a child that suddenly has impacted me in some way. And so um, I like to try to talk to people about what could come up for them. but 
then really it's about dealing with it in the moment. The reason to have a trip sitter there uh, for some people is because something might come up and they don't know how to deal with it. And in those moments, it's just so important for me to, to have multiple ways of, it's like a choose your own adventure. It's like, I'm gonna sit there with somebody, see how they're reacting, and then having multiple avenues for them to kind of cope. Like, hey, do we need to get more comfortable? Do we need to change music? Do we need to talk about that? Or do we need to like, do you need feelings of affirmation? Do you wanna be, you know, questioned more to really like dive into it? And so that experience is very individualized. And so for me, it's, it's I like to think about, all the possible avenues of where something could go. I'm one of those people, it's like, it's almost a form of anxiety. It's like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. <laughs> and the idea is that when in that space, I can, I can help adjust so that that person can get the most purposeful and beneficial experience. Maybe it won't be pleasant for a little while, but the end goal is pleasant, you know? You know, I like to say, you don't always get the trip you want, but you always get the trip you need your brain will go where it wants to go. And, and sometimes it'll go where it needs to go, which is not where you wanted it to go, <laughs> but he needed to go there, and it was, it was beautiful that it did. Um, one really important aspect is the one big negative, bad trips, which are negative feedback loops. And the best way that I like to explain that is this really important metaphor that I heard a long time ago about two boys on a roller coaster. They're both going up before the first drop, and one is like, yes, 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 and the other one is, no, 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 and he's getting really scared. If you look at their brain chemistry, the exact same chemicals are releasing. The only difference is one is enjoying the rush, and one is trying to stop the rush and get back to normal. That guy is going to have a very bad roller coaster experience, because you can cry about it all you want, you can't stop the roller coaster once it's going. That's what a bad trip is. It's people trying to control it, bring themselves back to normal. There's nothing you can do to get back to normal. You're just going to have a very bad experience, sadly, and wait it out. So the best thing you possibly can do is just roll with it, go with it, enjoy it, let yourself flow. Do not try to restrict that experience once it started. Yep. Did that answer your questions? Yes, that, that was my forgotten question, was what do you do with the bad trips? So there you yeah, go. There you go. Excellent. Sure. Awesome. So we, uh, we, we're going to start the party in like two minutes. Yeah, so that was the last it's question. perfect. It was the last question. Thank you all so much for being here for the first live audience episode. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>